My name's Josh. I am the pastor of young adults, and I'm so glad to see you this morning. We are in the fourth week of our Lyrics of Christmas series, where we're looking at some very popular Christmas carols, pairing them with Scripture to understand their deeper meaning, the meaning that points us to Christ. And before I get started, I want to do a little game with you. You'll see on the screen um, the first two lines of a famous Christmas carol. And I want you to think in your mind, what is the blanks? Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Excellent. That is the carol we're going to look at this morning. It is originally written by Charles Wesley in 1739, but titled Hymn for Christmas Day. And it's one of over 6,500 hymns written by Charles Wesley. But... The opening couplet originally was written, Hark how all the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. Now, welkin's an old English term for clouds. And about 100 years later, George Whitfield, the influential American preacher, changed the lyrics to Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And with those tweaked lyrics, it was paired with a Felix Mendelssohn tune, And this is how we got, hark the herald, angels sing. I bet most of you got the little fill in the blank, but I would imagine that was the first time you used the words hark and herald and glory this week, right? So this is a very familiar tune for us, but it has so many unfamiliar words, that we they just kind of roll off our tongue, but we don't quite really know what they mean. Well, before we get into our text today, found in Luke chapter 2, let's look at these words to get a clearer picture of what this carol is about. Hark. Well, hark's an easy one. It simply means look or listen or pay attention. Anytime in the Bible you see the word behold, it's kind of the same meaning as the word hark. Harold. I had an uncle Harold as a child, and I always thought he was a pretty popular guy. Not the same use of Harold. Uh, the word Harold can be both a noun and a verb. As a noun, a herald is an official messenger who, have, who has come to bring good news. Now think of, the, of those movies set in the Middle Ages or the time of Robin Hood. And a man or woman would come into the town square and call out an announcement from the king, hear ye, hear ye. That person was a herald, and that herald heralded a message, right? You can not only be a herald, you can herald, and that means uh, to proclaim, to announce, to broadcast. In the New Testament, we have a word that has the same meaning as herald. In the Greek, it's keruso, which is most often translated preach, But when you see in the Bible, you see this word preach, it's not talking about standing up in church like I'm doing now in front of a a group of people. No, it simply means to herald, to proclaim, to broadcast, to announce a message. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus says that we are to go into all the world and proclaim, to herald the gospel to the, the whole creation. And every person, whether a follower of Jesus or not, is a herald of something. Everyone heralds. 
whether it's a team, a lifestyle, an image, a, a, a political party, whatever it is, everyone is announcing and proclaiming and heralding a message. Finally, this word glory. Glory is definitely a church word, right? I don't use glory very often except for in church. Uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, a very important synopsis of Christian doctrine, says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. All right, so it's pretty important that we understand what this word glory means. Now, if you look at theological textbooks or theological encyclopedias, you can find some definitions, like the one found in the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. It reads, God's glory is defined as his majestic beauty and splendor and the recognition of it by mankind. In the Old Testament, the word glory is used uh, talking how, how things are weighty or heavy. But I feel like that still doesn't those definitions don't really help us. They're more of tautologies, which is basically defining one thing with a synonym. It doesn't give us the texture or the contour of the word glory. I think glory is a word kind of like love. It's best seen than defined. Um, let me show you an, uh, an, an illustration I found helpful that last couple weeks. Now, um, we've all seen, or hopefully... You've all seen Lake Erie. All right, this is a picture of Lake Erie, one of the many parks in Northeast Ohio. You know, it's nice. Deborah and I will go to Edgewater and, you know, and enjoy the lake. And, but it's, right, it's a, it's a big lake, right? You know, it's, it's cool, but uh, oftentimes I don't see, you know, it's a big lake. But the glory of Lake Erie just needs a few meteorological occurrences, and then its glory comes bursting forth. There was a photographer whose name is David Sanford, and he's a photographer in London, Ontario. London, Ontario is just north, on the north side of Lake Erie. It's actually where my parents live. And recently, he compiled a photo essay of Lake Erie during one of the, what the meteorologists call the witches of November, the powerful winds that blow through the Great Lakes during autumn. And he, picture, he got pictures of some of the most surprising and majestic pictures of our Lake Erie. This is all on that north side of Lake Erie, and the, those gales, those winds are bringing out the glory and the majesty of Lake Erie. I'm like, man, I can get proud of a lake that does that, right? <laughs> this is the same with the glory of God. The glory of God is seen throughout our creation. This morning I was praying and uh, preparing for uh, this message in my office, and I saw the sunrise with the pinks and the orange, oranges, and it's beautiful. But there are certain instances where God chooses throughout human history that his glory breaks forth in a powerful way. And one of those is the birth of Jesus Christ that we'll look at this morning in Luke chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles... Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. You don't, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, the text will be on the screen. Starting in verse 8. 
And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, herald, hark, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So here you are, one of, the, one of these lowly shepherds at night tending your flock, and an angel, a herald from God, comes to bring you, as the herald said, good news. It's the same word we get, the word gospel, of great joy, literally in the, in the original language, mega joy, that will be for all people, Jew, Gentile, secular, religious, rich, poor, moral, immoral, citizen, immigrant, refugee. What is the message that this angel is heralding? It is unto you is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel has come to give a birth announcement. Now, a, a little over a year ago, Deborah and I had our first child, a little boy named Judah. And that experience has definitely put some living color to this passage in Luke 2. Um, you, know, as a, you know, I work with a lot of young marrieds, and you know, the birth announcement is kind of a big deal. Well, even more big of a deal now is the pregnancy announcements. I don't know if you've seen these on social media. And I remember when we first, um, Deborah first got pregnant, I, it was this kind of strange thing. We'd tell people, and they'd go, oh, you guys are pregnant. I was kind of, do, you know do you know how this works? Like, I am I'm not pregnant. I feel great in the morning. I don't feel sick. I can eat whatever I want. I just, you know, my, my, my role thus far has been relatively small. And then you think of like, like I think of this story, you think of, 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 of the whole birth scene in the barn or the cave, wherever it was. I, I cannot imagine. So Judah's birth was the most stressful thing in my life by far. And my, my job was ice chips. That was the totality of my responsibilities. And after, after Judah was born, and we had like a dozen nurses and all these midwives, and after Judah was born, I went to go get ice chips, and I was dry heaving. I was so stressed. And I can't imagine, I, I, I can't even fathom Mary and Joseph in this, in this situation. But the... The, uh, the carnality of it all in this dimly lit barn, cave, whatever it was, maybe there's animals, maybe, maybe not. We know there was not modern technology. And then this angel comes to announce the birth of a Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
not to the high priest, not to the Roman officials, to the shepherds. God is so surprising in how he chooses to reveal his glory to us. And in this story that we see, we get a beautiful picture of what our response and our responsibility is during this Christmas season. Now, as the Westminster Confession of Faith says, if the chief end of man truly is to glorify God and enjoy him forever, how do we give glory to God? We do it just like that angel did, who heralded Jesus as Savior, as Christ, and as Lord. That's what Christmas is all about. So let's look at those titles given to Jesus as Savior, Christ, and Lord, so that we can get a better picture of who he is, so we can understand better how we can herald him and proclaim him even more. Well, first, let's look at Jesus as Savior. Savior is simply the deliverer of our greatest fear. And every one of us has a great and crippling fear that when we are all looking for something to defeat that fear in our lives, there's savior politician, a deliverer of our country from ruin, the savior athlete, deliverer of our team from embarrassment, the savior spouse, delivering me from loneliness, the savior baby, delivering our marriage from the state it's in, a savior job, a delivering my family from the economic situation, or there's a savior lifestyle, delivering me from my constraints in my life. We all have that deep, gnawing fear in our hearts. And just the human heart is such that we're looking for a savior, a deliverer from that fear. Let me ask you a question. What is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? What keeps you from taking risks? What keeps you paralyzed in your life? What keeps you from trying your hardest? What beats you down? What discourages you the most? What are you trying to fix in your life but you just can't seem to fix it? See, every human heart is on a quest to find the deliverer from our greatest fear. But the irony of the human experience is often our greatest fear is not our greatest threat. I've known many people who fear something seemingly insignificant where there's this giant standing over their shoulder. You see, our greatest threat is something common to every person who's ever lived. It is the power and the presence and the penalty of sin. And the greatest threat that we have is having to pay for that sin by spending forever apart from the one true deliverer who could save us not only from our greatest threat, but from our greatest fear as well. That little baby born in Bethlehem came to deliver us from sin. And as Charles Wesley's carol says, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Jesus is the only one, the only savior that can save you from your greatest threat and your greatest fear. 
Jesus is the Savior. He's also the Christ. Now, Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? It's a title. It's the New Testament translation of the Old Testament word Messiah. Messiah means one appointed by God for a specific purpose. Okay, well, what is this little baby born in Bethlehem anointed, purposed to do? We see it in Isaiah 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Well, how will this sweet baby accomplish the task that he is to do to bring peace and justice and equity throughout the whole world? He does that by one day dying on the cross. This is another place where Luke 2 becomes in living color for me. We have a little baby boy. And I remember that first cry of Judah. It was like 34 hours of labor. Again, miserable. Um, and, but, 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 but we heard him cry. Okay, he's okay. He had something going on. He had a fever, but we heard that cry. He's okay. But that little baby Jesus, his first cry would one day turn into that last cry of it is finished upon the cross. And that tender skin, that newborn baby back, would one day be flayed open by the Roman whip. And that little Jesus pressed against the wood and the hay of the manger would one day be pressed against a rugged cross as they would nail nails through his hands and his feet, the same little hands and feet that Mary and Joseph would touch, the same little hand that would hold their finger, that little brow they would kiss at night would be pierced by thorns, and that little body that Mary held tightly that first Christmas night would one day be laid in a tomb on that Good Friday. You see, mothers don't have children to bury them. But that's what God in his love and wisdom anointed Jesus to do, to be born in Bethlehem, to live a perfect life, and to die on the cross for our sins. And that's how we can have peace with God. And it's the depth of love that would cause God to go this far in order to pay for the depth of the sin that we all have. Born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. And if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you haven't recognized that Christmas is not about giving gifts or just like little baby Jesus, but if you don't recognize little baby Jesus as 
crucified Jesus, then maybe you don't know him. And it's today that you can put your faith and trust in Jesus to receive the gift of Christmas in your heart and have your sins forgiven and be given a new life. Jesus is Christ because he was anointed for the purpose of bringing you and me peace with God through his death. Jesus is the Savior, he is Christ, and he is Lord. Lord simply means master. How's a, how is a baby a master? Well, I mean, if you have had a baby, you could kind of understand how a baby is a master of your home, but it's not quite the same use. The reason that Jesus is, the birth announcement is that he is Lord is because Jesus is God in the flesh, and what the theologians got, call he is God incarnate. As the hymn said, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased with us in flesh to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. See, this is so important. Because if Jesus was only Savior or Christ, but not Lord, then Christmas is simply the first chapter of a tragedy that plays out of an innocent man dying at the hands of wicked men and lay, being laid at a tomb. Another tragedy. But Jesus is Lord. So Christmas is the first chapter of a triumph where Jesus was nailed to the cross, put in a tomb. But three days later, God rose him from the grave and he defeated Satan, sin, and death on our behalf. So that little baby born in Bethlehem was the ultimate weapon toward the sin that burns our hearts and our lives and controls our our. our families and controls our world and twists around our throats. Jesus is Lord and he has defeated Satan, sin, and death on our behalf. Philippians 2 says, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No, Jesus' life is not the story of a good man who died at the hands of bad. Rather, Jesus' life is about a perfect man who died at the hands of bad so that all men may be good through faith and trust in Jesus. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. And when we talk about heralding Jesus, that's, that's, that's what Christmas is all about. But see, in order to announce, proclaim, herald Jesus, he's got to be heralded in our own hearts first. You see, it's a little disingenuous to talk about how great Jesus is to our friends and our family but not truly believe that in our hearts. So I have some questions for you. Is Jesus truly your savior? Is he the one you trust in 
when you get that phone call or that text and it all hits the fan? Is he the one who you trust in to save you? Or is he someone you're trying to use to save yourself? Is he the antidote to your greatest illness? Is he the light for your darkness? Do you believe that in your heart that Jesus is your savior? Jesus is Christ. You see, Jesus accomplished peace with God for us. One of the craziest things about the gospel message, and it's one of the most difficult things I have to wrestle with in this message as I was thinking and praying through, is that he's given his job of bringing peace and justice through the world He's given it over to us, right? He's given us, you know, his toddler, the keys to the family Cadillac, right? You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says that we have been Christed to do his work. We have been anointed to bring peace and justice throughout the world. You know, Christian means little Christ. You know, when he ascended to the Father, he met with his disciples and his followers. He says, look, I'm going, I'm leaving, and I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, a helper, and you will do greater, better, better and greater things than I ever did. Right? If I was there, I'd be like, who is he talking to? Right? You're not talking to me. Do you believe, do I believe, that you have everything at your disposal to do great things in this world for the name of Jesus. Now, the great things in this world that Christ has called you, Christed you to do, will not be covered by the newspaper probably, right? You're not going to be interviewed for This American Life, right? You're not going to, you know, your, your cover, your face is not going to be on the cover of ESPN the magazine. But these are great things. These are hidden things. See, we bring peace and justice through the world by those secret things just like God did on that first Christmas night when he announced his birth to a bunch of shepherds. That's the way God works, and that's what he invites you and me into. And finally, is Jesus truly the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord in your heart, or do you view him more like a landlord who's given you some rules, but what, what you know, he doesn't know won't hurt him, Right? Is Jesus' word the authority, or is he just another authority that you weigh in the balance? Are you truly willing to submit all of your life to the lordship and the mastery of Jesus? Well, I've got a couple suggestions as we close on some ways maybe you can. Once you've heralded Christ in your own heart, you can herald him in your family and in your community and in your world. So how do we herald Jesus as the Savior? I think one really easy, really great way to do that is you invite people to the Christmas Eve service. Like Chad said, like over 50% of people who wouldn't go hear the gospel message on Christmas Eve would go if they, they're asked. Like I know I'm, uh, there's a buddy of mine who's on my 1024 list. I've been texting him, hey man, bringing you and your girlfriend, you know, uh, come to the Christmas Eve service. I think you'll really, really uh, be impacted. There's some invite cards in the foyer. I encourage you to grab some. But you know, CBC, you guys have done a really good job this year. 
in heralding Jesus as Savior. We're in the midst, we're in the final lap of Live New 1024. Where we've been encouraging you to pray for 10 people and have 24 gospel conversations in a year. And we have prayed for over 8,000 names this year. We've had over 180 decisions for Christ this year. You guys have done a great job. But, right, push into the tape, right? Give it your all toward the finish line. Now, we don't stop becoming missionaries, but I would love to see 2015 having over 200 people having a decision to follow Christ for the first time. So how do you herald Jesus as Christ? Well, we are anointed, we're Christed to bring justice and peace throughout the world. Now, think about the Christmas story. You've got Mary and Joseph who are away from their home. They have a baby in a barn or a cave or whatever it was. And see, what happened is after this newborn king is announced, it gets up the chain and the emperor Herod hears about it. And he decrees an edict that all Hebrew boys, two years and under, are to be killed. And an angel visits Joseph in a dream. He says, get out of there. Go to Egypt. So at Jesus' infancy, he becomes a refugee. Thank God that there wasn't some policy in Egypt that turned him away at the border. We as Christians are called to care for refugees. Whatever your political persuasion, it's irrespective. If you're a Christian and he's Lord, you're called to care for refugees. Deborah and I have the honor of being refugee mentors with Patrick and Teresa Fusil. They're a a couple in our life group. And we meet with our our family uh, from Afghanistan, and we care for them. We help them get library cards and talk with lawyers and all those things. It's through a ministry we support called Building Hope in the City. If you, and I'm familiar with Building the Hope in the City, I really encourage you to to go on the website, see what they're about. And, oh, if 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 we could do one one action step, take their Refugee 101 course. Deborah and I took it a, about a year ago. It has totally revolutionized the way I view people who are forced out of their home here in Northeast Ohio. And finally, how do you herald Jesus as Lord? Part of heralding Jesus as Lord is trusting him with the circumstances in your life. See, I, I work with a lot of young adults. There's a lot of relationships formed. And a lot of relationships that get broken up. Okay. And I know a lot of young adults who get in a relationship, they think, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the one. Only to end in heartbreak. But I've seen so many young adults, and it's an encouragement to my heart, turn to Christ as their shelter. Turn to Christ as their trust. Saying, Jesus, I thought <laughs> this was something, but it's not, and I trust you with my future. And that is such an encouragement to me. And we even see other people in our community who've had losses in their either either, uh, health issues or loss of loved ones. I think of Pastor Dale. I think of Brandon Colbert and the Raffin family who have struggled either like with their own health or losing loved ones. But they aren't turning to some other savior. They're turning to Jesus to heal the wounds and turning to him for hope for the future. So CVC, and, there's, and I don't know how your situations and all your circumstances, but I think you're doing a great job. You're really doing a great job. And I encourage you, lean into that tape. Push hard toward the end and 
Make this Christmas about heralding Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, and the Lord. Would you stand with me? We are going to sing together, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. But before we do that, I'd like to close our, our, my message in prayer. Oh God, you are so good to give us the gift of your son. Lord, the circumstances of this, of the good news of great joy are so surprising. Thank you that you work in mysterious ways, you work in those secret ways. But may we participate in you in heralding your son, the risen Jesus. Lord, may we invite other people into a relationship with your son. Lord, may in our own hearts we trust in you when the difficult things come. And Lord, may we be instruments of justice and peace throughout the whole world. And Lord, I pray that those here who don't know you as Savior, as Christ, as Lord, would they put their faith and trust in Jesus in you and just call out to you and say, Jesus, you are my Savior. You are the deliverer of my greatest threat. You are the one who came to save me from my sin, and you are the one that I choose to live for. Lord, may our hearts be, may pour forth with the desire to see your son Jesus glorified, because he is great. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.